Amen. Okay, well, this morning, just going to share uh, just briefly this morning. Uh, <clears> there <throat> just seems to be, and there is, that's why it seems to be, there seems to be, and there is, a lot of going on in believers' lives uh, this morning, in all of our lives, because of the fact that we're in Christ. And because of that, we've, we've uh, had the privilege to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as he takes the things of Christ to show us these, these truths that are ours in him, just how he has already seen every single conflict that you and I will enter into. He has literally seen it, and not only seen it, but he entered into it. He has entered into, for those that are in Christ, he has entered into every single conflict that you and I are involved in. And, and that we see in others' lives. And many times, yes, our own conflicts can, can, can be a source of uh, worry or at times doubt and fear. But, but also, when we're not occupied, uh, even with ourselves, we can get occupied so much with what is going on and so many around us, so many that are close to us, and so many of those that we love. And the answer to that is very, very beautiful, because God has, through his Son, anticipated in his love every single thing, every conflict, every pain, every source of righteous suffering, and even the wrong kind, he has anticipated it, but not only that, anticipating it in his love, but in his love through grace, dealing with it through his son. And he wants to make that clear to us. And so many different uh, scriptures bring this out. Jesus said in Luke 10 and, and in verse 18, and I'll just read that, Luke 10 and verse 18, where he says, He beheld Satan. He said, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now, where did he fall? And of course, where is the place where God is working out eternal realities? And these have to do with bringing out his essential nature, character, and essence but also bringing those truths out and what he has accomplished as a result of those and propitiation and, and then, of course, substitution and reconciliation. He's working all of these things out. So when it says this, I beheld him, where he beheld Satan, what was that? Well, that was in eternity. He knew that he would fall and how quickly he would fall. The Bible makes it clear here that when he was created, and this is brought out in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, he was created as Lucifer, the one who would reflect the glory of the pre-incarnate Christ. 
he would reflect it. And then, of course, through iniquity in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15, uh, through that, his own will, which was evil, which became absolutely evil in the face of all the good, even in the reflection of who he was, was still chose his own way. And then, of course, he became Satan. So God never, ever, ever created Satan. He created Lucifer because everything that God creates, and we can see this in Genesis, the first chapter. We see it all through there in Genesis, the first chapter. In the third verse, we see it. We see it so many places in, in Genesis that everything that God made, when he made it, it was good. And as a result of that, there wasn't any evil in it at all. There was no evil in it at all. Now, God foresees, has foreseen, each and every single one of our conflicts, every single thing that we will go through. Now, Satan fell quickly, quickly out of his position. This makes it clear in Luke 10, 18. And this is from an eternal standpoint. That's why Jesus said in John 13 and verse 19, in John 14 and verse 29, I tell you these things before they come to pass, that when they come to pass, you might believe me. You might believe. You may trust me. You might depend upon me for everything. As we have been taught, all of us together, having that privilege, we see in the book of Numbers, in the types there, that, that Israel and in the types, they were going through the wilderness. And in the midst of the worldly wilderness, Satan's worldly wilderness, his kingdom, there was conflict. Just like there is in us, there is conflict. There's conflict. But there, there was in all of their, in, in their lives, in measure, and in, in, in measure our lives, there was, there was progression. There was growth as a result of it. So, in Genesis 50 and verse 20, they, Joseph's brothers, and everything that they did under Satan against Joseph, they, through the enemy, using them as his vessels, meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You see? So now when we come to the book of Job, there's a lot that we can glean from that, even as much as certain men, certain men with the initials such as the S.L., I'll say, that it was a fairy tale and that it wasn't of God. It was made up, but we know clearly that it was included in the canon of scriptures in the eternal mind of God. And so we can glean so much. We can glean so much from the book of Job. All his trials. We see tremendous conflict in his life, don't we? We see tremendous conflict, don't we, at times in our life. But don't we see when God comes in with the light of his love and, and his glory, how there's all he always brings in progress, growth and grace in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. There's so much that we can gather and glean from the book of Job. And we see this and we can glean from it Knowing our position in Christ is extremely secure, by the way. And all the conflicts, and God wants us to know this, about ourselves, 
about our family, about our loved ones, about all those that are in the local assembly, they may be in conflict. That is for sure. But they are in God's hand. Period. And that's brought out in John 10, 28 and 29. God wants us to hear the shepherd's voice this morning in John 10 and verse 27. He wants his sheep, us, those that we have the potential to live without him or to depend upon him. And the fact is, is that we are in his hands and it makes it clear when it says man, it means no created being is ever able to pluck us out of his hand. Furthermore, when even we fall in conflict, that in Deuteronomy 33 in verse 27, his arms, his loving arms, are underneath the bottom of our bottom. And so God would have us to see in trusting prayer, not that we don't weep when they weep and go through it, but he would have us to see that even in the midst of the conflict that they are in his hands, period. They're in his hands. And in that sense, it is the most wonderful and beautiful thing that we could see. Even in the book of Job, now we we're going to see how many, and I, I've taught it this way, but I have a, a greater understanding in my personal growth of how this, how this was and what, how, did, how did God uh, accomplish this and what was this meaning in it. And many times I would teach it this way, as many others have long before me that I have gleaned from, that God initiated this whole thing, this whole trial of Job. This whole trial of Job. And remember, remember now God initiated it. But one thing we have to realize, and God would have us to realize today, even in the midst of our conflict, that he allows it because of, the, because of his love, his grace, and the goodness that he is. You see, goodness is his nature. In Exodus 34 and verse 6, good is God. In Matthew 19 and verse 17. Good is only in God. In Luke 18 and verse 19. And we can see that even in the creative. Uh, in the beginning. In the beginning when he began to recreate the earth. As a result of the conflict and the fall of Satan. We see that in the first three verses of Genesis chapters, chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. But everything that God did. And it starts in Genesis 1 and verse 4. Everything he did was good. There's no evil in God. There is no evil in him. Now, when we understand this and know this, we see that God initiated it. He initiated it. But one thing we have to know is, even before he initiated it, what did he say to Satan? What did he say? He spoke of the genuine character. He did. The genuine character and settled question of, of Job's character because of the righteousness of Christ in him. Do we see that? Is there any evil in that? Nothing but good. Nothing but good. We can see that clearly. We know that. It is the very testimony, the very witness of God himself when he talked about Job. So when God initiated it, when he allowed Satan to do his evil, 
don't we know that through the scriptures that we even read in Job, the first chapter, that God only initiated only what Satan already was, was doing and planning to do if he hadn't done it yet. He already initiated it in the anticipation of his love and his grace, of which there's not an inkling of evil. And that's what's brought out clearly in the scriptures. He absolutely knew what Satan was going to do. Again, listen, remember? Jesus said, I beheld Satan falling from heaven as lightning. How quick is that? How quick does Satan do his work? When he said that, he was speaking that, okay, in, in, in the fact of his very sonship of God and his deity. He was speaking it from an eternal viewpoint. He beheld him falling. Well, when did he fall? Well, we see him active in his fall in, in, in Job, the first chapter. We see that. We see it brought out in Genesis, the third chapter. He comes, he comes against man. He is, he is the opponent, hated opponent and hated adversary of God. And he's the hated opponent and adversary of all of those that God has made to be his through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be a conflict because that conflict, okay, God has in mind nothing but good, never evil. He allowed it, yes. But what he teaches us has to do with his nature. Did you see that? That is God's will. God's will is never separated from his nature. God's will and his nature is never separated from his word, from his full thought. Never, never. We see that in John 1, verse 1. There was just nothing but love in the Trinity between the Father and the Son with the Holy Spirit proceeding from both. And we see that also in John 14, 26 and 15, 26 and John 16 and verse 7 with the Holy Spirit proceeding from both. And there's a loving relationship of which there is no evil, but God anticipating it <laughs> from an eternal standpoint. And God has dealt with every single thing about you and I personally in our conflict. And that conflict is bringing out the very nature, character, and essence of God, what he's truly like, and the unbelievable privilege we have to know him and know him and what he's like, truly like, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of it. And so he called Satan anticipating what he would do already. Because doesn't God know everything from an eternal standpoint? Long before anything, any created being, angel, or man ever existed, did he not know beforehand? And did he not know every single thing in his good? Everything God does is good. There's no evil in it. Now, some, some put evil for good and good for evil, light for darkness and darkness for light. Bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. When it says there, some put light for darkness and darkness for light, best to understand the nature, character, and essence of God, we need to read Genesis, the first chapter, and start in verse 3 and go to 31, because he separated 
God saw the light in Genesis 1-4 and said that it was what? Good. Is there any evil in good? Never. Who do you think he was talking about? He was talking about his son. He was talking about his son, who he used, obviously, in the, all of them together, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, to create everything in John 1-3 and Colossians 1 and verse 16. He used them to create everything. And everything that God does is good, and there's never any evil in it. Now, God anticipated it and allowed it to bring out what? To teach us what his nature, character, and essence, and who he's like. That's why Jesus said, when they asked the, his disciples, they asked him, show us the Father, and that will be sufficient, in John 14, 8. And he said to them, if you've seen me, you what? You've seen the Father, in John 14, 9 because it was John 10, verse 30. I and the Father are what? One. One. So God, knowing this, allows the enemy to come in, just like, just like he does with us. And what is, what is it that is it to be brought out? What is the conflict being brought out, and as a result of it, why God allows it to bring out what in us? To know God. To know God. To know him, his nature, character, and essence, through all this evil, right through this world system, on our way to our heavenly home. Well, that's why it says in Second Peter 1 and, and verse 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope. That's Jesus Christ, Colossians 1.27. Listen, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, all those that are separated from him, to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, and listen, and it doesn't fade away. You know, everything about this life, even this earth, even this earth is, is going to be changed. We can see that in Isaiah 65, 17 to 22. We can see that in 2 Peter 3, 10 to 13. We can see it. Heaven and earth will pass away in Matthew 24 and verse 35, meaning changing in their existence now. But my word will not pass away. You, you see and I see with you. It fades not away. Everything else does, but it's reserved in heaven for you. Listen who are kept by the power of God in the midst of the conflict through absolute dependence unto salvation, constant deliverance, ready to be revealed soon in the very last time in 1 Peter 1, 3-5. You see, the blessing of the believer in Ephesians chapter 1, we can see that in those 23 verses, and in 1 Peter, the first chapter, listen, is very, very lit up, very bright, and is in a very bright contrast even to what Job, who God said was the greatest man of the East at that particular time. But what we have in Christ right now with our conflict is the brightest that there is. You see, Job's inheritance all, everything that he had on the earth might fade away, but not yours, not mine. That's what Second Peter, the first chapter, brings out in 3 to 5. It's not going to fade away. It doesn't fade away because his love has accomplished it. First Corinthians 13, 8, his love never fails. Really, the original says it never fades, loses its beauty, its character, 
its very essence. Never does. Never does. And so even before, even before Job, and even before you and I enter into this scene of this, at times, very fierce conflict, and when we see it in others, God would have us to be well assured, well assured, and well grounded on the testimony of God and what is absolutely certain to you and I. What is it? It's most clear, and he's making it clear to us through this whole conflict, that by the word of God, he has redemption, and you and I have that redemption through the precious blood of Christ, even the forgiveness of sins. This is ours in Colossians 1 and verse 14. It is ours. It's brought out very clearly there. And then our inheritance, not like Job's on the earth. Of course, he had it restored to him in the 42nd chapter after God had to lovingly deal with him through Elihu was a type of a type of Christ in the work that God was doing in and through Elihu. But we see this very, very, very clearly here that our inheritance is in the heavenlies, you see. We're on our way through the suffering, through conflict. And you and I, our inheritance, could, God could not make more secure to you and I than being in the Son of His love in Colossians 1 and verse 13. Why? Because Jesus Christ, our precious Lord, died for sin. Dealt with it. The sin question in John 1, verse 29, based upon Genesis 22 and verse 8, he did. And he has been raised from the dead from being separated. You see, he had to be separated because all of what we had done, that was all evil in Psalm 51 and verse 4, for those that would receive him was placed upon Jesus Christ. And that's why he cried out in Psalm 22 and verse 1, and in Matthew 27 and verse 46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to forsake him to deal with what we could never deal with so that he will never forsake us. And God does not forsake his own in the midst of conflict. He never, never, never uses anything but his love, his grace, his mercy, his precious son, our True teacher in 1 John 2.20 and 2.27, the very precious Holy Spirit, never use anything but that to teach us, ever. Just like he was teaching Job, but much more for us. Our conflict is much more fiercely contested because of the height of our privilege in the heavenlies. You see, everything was Job. And the enemy used, you see, all these enemies and people to take away his earthly inheritance. You see, nothing can take away our heavenly inheritance. Nothing. Not one single thing. Because Jesus has gone up on high. We know that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses, verse 9. We know that clearly in Acts 1 and verse 10 and 11. We know it clearly. He went up on high where he intercedes for us. Romans 8 and verse 34 and Hebrews 7 and verse 25 and in Hebrews 9 and verse 24. He ever is living. He is ever living, interceding for us before we fall in the conflict, in the midst of the conflict and all the way through and out of the conflict. 
Psalm 23, 1 through 6. He is interceding for us based upon the victory that is already ours in him. There would be no conflict if there hadn't been such a great victory and the enemy coming after us. It would not be that. We're more than conquerors in Romans 8 and verse 37. More than conquerors because Jesus Christ has conquered the world system. He's conquered the flesh, the world system, and Satan and his whole demonic army that comes against us in the midst of this conflict, you see. And God has anticipated all of this from an eternal standpoint. And Jesus Christ has come out as that great revelation and manifestation of his love and his goodness, of which there's not, not even a, a bit of evil. God, can, can, God never tempts man with evil, ever. God cannot be tempted with evil in James 1 and verse 13. All you that love, love God in exchange of that love life in 1 John 4.10 and 4.19. All you that love, you hate evil. You hate evil. God would not use evil, something he hates. He allows it. But he anticipates it for us in the goodness that Christ is. Revealing the Father's goodness and God the Holy Spirit. So the fact of the matter is here that Jesus Christ has gone up on high and he has taken hold and has in his possession the heavenly place for you and I. Did you know that? That's Job, that's John 14, 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Yes, you're in a conflict, but let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in him? Well, then you believe in me who accomplished all his will and finished the work. Believe it. I just want you to know I'm going. I'm going. And in 14.2, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know what that place is? That place that he's preparing for us, and many times we think, it's, uh, we think in terms of mansions and rooms and beauty and all of this, what would it be without Christ, without experiencing for all eternity, based upon Revelations 2.17, what would it be without the intimate exchange of a love life between he who did everything for us and us who received it? Is it worth it? <laughs> is it worth it? Well, the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, he's, he's He's prepared that. And that place is intimacy. I know one thing for me, thought of it this morning, that I, when I thought of how God lovingly chastens me, and he does that to all of us in Proverbs 3, 10, uh, 3, uh, uh, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, and in Hebrews chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 4 through 29, he chastens us. That's his love that does it. Now he never, he, 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 never re withdraws his presence from us because Christ is in us, but we can't fellowship with him. But the greatest discipline for me at this point in my 71 years, the greatest loving discipline for me is when I miss intimacy with him. And I don't want to do that. The sin can cause that, but thank God he's waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30 and verse 18. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to then in the process of growth and grace in 2 Peter 3 and verse 19, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is based upon 
where sin abounded. And what is sin? What is sin in Psalm 51 and verse 4? It is evil. It is evil. Where sin abounded, what did much more abound? And then way more above it. Where sin abounded, what, what abounded? Grace did much more abound. That even as sin reigned unto death, being separated from him in, in, in intimacy, which I don't want in my own personal life, that, that, that we might reign through that righteousness that Christ is and in, in, in experience this eternal life that's ours. And that again goes into Revelation 2 in verse 17. It goes in there very beautifully. You and I, he wants to make it clear to us that nothing, nothing, nothing is greater than his love that flows through the grace and truth that his son was and is. Nothing can separate us. Nothing. And, and I want to read it here again. And we've brought these out. Uh, the Holy Spirit, I should say, has brought these out for us constantly. And he wants to bring that out to us today. When you see conflict in yourself and those that you love and those in the local assembly, this is his thoughts. Listen, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Romans 8.35. Will tribulation, suffering, conflict, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, perilous sword, as it is written, as it is written in Psalm 44 and verse 22, for your sake we are killed all the day long. Why? Death works in us to work out the life in us, not just for us, but for others. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10, 11, and 12, you see. And so we see this. That's what the conflict brings out. It brings out the manifestation in glory and revelation of the accomplishment of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. As it is written, for your sake we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No. No. In all, not out of them, like we so want to be many times. Take me out, God. Please, take me out. I don't want this conflict anymore. I don't want this pain anymore. I don't want this suffering anymore. No. No, and in all these things, he's bringing out how his love has conquered them all in and through us and with us with his love. For he continues with his love and grace. Not evil. That doesn't persuade us. No, his love and grace does. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Listen, nor things to come. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, created being, will it be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you see where it says the height and the depth there? Do we see that? Well, this is how he wants us to see it this, this morning as we begin to close this morning and understand conflict. Uh, uh, hopefully all of us together are having the privilege all of us here. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. This is what it says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by dependence. Right through that conflict. 
right through all of that that we just read in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. What do we see? That Christ may find a home and dwell with you in your heart by absolute dependence, that you being rooted. Ah, when the winds come, the rains come and beat against that house, the evil in Matthew 24 and 27. When that house is built upon a rock, that rock is Jesus Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. We see that he's that massive ledge, that foundation in Matthew 6 and verse 16 and verse 18. May be able that rooted and grounded in what? Love. That love that drives out all fear and all torturous thinking. In 1 John 4 and verse 18. What? May have that supernatural ability, even in the midst of the conflict, to be able to con comprehend with God Himself. Christ in us through the power of the Holy Spirit with all saints, all saints. Not just a few saints. Everyone is a saint, sanctified. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. What is the breadth? Listen, the breadth and the length, length and the depth and the height and everything that the enemy means to come against us. And the, we read it in Romans 8, 35 to 39. Here we see it. To comprehend what is the breadth and length and depth and height of his love. To know it. To experience the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, right now, unto him. That is that supernatural ability. Who only can do exceeding and has done exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. According to that power that works in him. That works in him. Now unto him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. And God wants us to know these things in the midst of our conflict, in the midst of it. We could not be more secure than we already are in Christ. In glory, we have Christ in us, the guarantee of glory right in us, right through everything that the enemy would throw against us. Christ in us, Colossians 1.27, and he holds us in his hand and he brings us right through and he makes it clear in 1 Peter chapter 1. Remember, in those first five verses, it is a settled question. God has settled the question of sin, of sins, of failure. He settled it for us. And the enemy means that for evil, God brings out the beauty of his love and his grace. And again, even in, in those types in Matthew 23, in, in, in Psalm 23, 1 to 6, he's bringing it out that it is a settled question. All of this is reserved for you and I in heaven. You know what he's reserved for us? A place that only each of us can fill. That's what brings out Revelations 2 and verse 17. Yes, we'll all have fellowship together. But not, that will never replace the, the intimate fellowship that we have with Christ. And we will sing in, in Revelations chapter 5, verses 9 and 12. We will sing the new song. The song that he's teaching us in the midst of the conflict in Job 35 and verse 10. That song, that song in Psalm 42 and 3, 44, 3. 
77, verse uh, 6 in the Psalms. He's bringing out, he's bringing out the song of the Lamb, of the Lamb. And we're singing it now through conflict, but then face to face, the conflict is over. We've passed through suffering. Oh, we're in glory. And, and he's bringing us through. And he makes it clear that though you and I, every child of his, though we do fall, do we lose anything that Christ has won for us and has it reserved for us in heaven? Not a single thing. No, no. That too is settled. That too is settled. You and I may fall, but will we lose everything when we do? Never. No, that's settled too. Why? Because in 1 Peter 1.5, we are kept by the power of God through faith, through that dependence. We are kept. And so the testimony of God's own word, his spoken word, his breathed out word, breathing out his very nature through that word in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, God's word makes it all clear and certain to you and I. To you and I. God's testimony of Job was that he was perfect and upright. He was complete and upright. He didn't know it like he should have. And we don't know it fully yet, but we're learning it based upon God's very testimony, his very word. And what was it? What was it that God said to Satan? What did he say to him? He said he fears, he reverences God, and he hates evil. Psalm 97, verse 10. Oh, you that love hate evil. He hates evil. And again, your standing and mine, my standing, which is positioned, we're positioned in Christ. Sin doesn't touch it. 1 John 5, 18. It, it affects our fellowship and intimacy. Oh boy. I don't want to forfeit intimacy with him. His deep desire with his love to express it to me. And thank God we can confess it and keep going right on. Keep going forward in Exodus 14 and verse 15. There is a battle in Exodus 14, uh, 13 and 14, but the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. It's not my conflict. He's leading us through the conflict. He is leading us through it. Not like the false teaching that makes us makes you and I and would, would believe and bring in the lie that we have to do something about it. We have to help God. Okay, God doesn't need any help other than who he is. Manifested through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God makes that testimony. He fears God and hates evil. And so do you and I, truly in Christ. In, in, in the depth of, of intimacy, in the fellowship of his love, we hate it. We hate it. And is not love to God love of holiness and hatred of evil. And isn't that characteristic of us? Everyone, every believer that's in Christ in 1 John chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, is that not crystal clear? Then, then what? The testimony of God settled everything about you and I. And the conflict that he, we are going through is bringing that out in us in intimacy and he's preparing us for that place 
a face-to-face -face meeting with Christ in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, and in Revelations 2 and verse 17. He's teaching us. He's teaching us intimacy in his love and how it constantly separates us from evil. And so we see the testimony of God settled everything. The blessing and character of, of Job was settled by God. He thought he had to do some self-righteous things in Job 32, 1 and 2. And by thinking that he had to do that, he would justify himself and blame God. And blame God for everything. Blame God for evil. Is there any evil in God? Does God use evil? Does he? Or has he allowed it? I'll tell you what he uses. He uses, and again, in Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all, unsaved and especially to those that are in Christ. Teaching us to what? To deny all what? Ungodliness. And isn't that evil? To deny it. The only way we can do it is by grace, where his love flows through that grace. And we, that's brought out again in Romans, the fifth chapter, in those 21 verses there. So as we close this morning here, we know this, that the testimony, the very word of God, has settled everything. He settled the blessing, and he settled the character of Job. And now, for you and I, does the testimony of the word settle the blessing and character of every single believer in Jesus Christ in this time where we have and where we are his dwelling place, the church on earth. The church, again, not a building. We are the church in Matthew 16 and verse 18. And he dwells in us now through Christ the way that God dwelt in him. Obviously, and only a way that, God, that Christ and the Father would know that, being deity, and we know that. That's why when he said to Mary at the tomb in John 20, verse 17, he made it clear, I'm going to my Father and my God. That's brought out in John the 17th chapter, verse, verses uh, 4 and 5 and verse 24. That's brought out very clearly there. Now, there is a glory that we have in John 17 and verse 22, but it is a shared glory that he's given to us. But nothing could be shared if Jesus Christ had not settled and did, did away with evil. Is there evil right now on this earth? Yes, but where is it headed to? And as far as God is concerned, it may be working its way through. Oh, how many think. Oh, how many think. The unsaved, oh, how happy. Everything is the same. I'm going to wake up and everything's going to be the same today and I'm going to have all these plans. Did that change for Job? Oh, happy looking world, as the enemy says. Happy looking world. Like there's no tempting devil there. There's no evil. But how quick and how well did Satan do his work? It was evil what he did to Job. God allowed it so that he could use his love and grace to bring out the very character that was his based upon who 
Jesus Christ was and is. And so we see this very, very clearly. Oh, how happy world. Yeah, he wants to make the Christian now to live in the world and try and find their happiness in the world. Why? Why? Because he's a murderer from the beginning in John 8 and verse 44. The whole world system, the whole world system in Genesis, the fourth chapter, in those 24 verses, those first 24 verses, was based upon the, the murderer, Satan. Duping people into thinking, oh, happy world. Oh, happy Christian, living in the world, making the world everything, when he is a murderer from the beginning. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, we have an adversary, the devil, who as a roaring lion, how quickly does he come in against us? Remember Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, I beheld him, Satan falling from heaven. How quick is lightning hit? How quick? How quick, how many are in the, in, the, in the world system, in the world system, and the enemy comes in. Well, he can't murder our, our position, can't touch it, but he tries to come in and murder our experience and make us think about the conflict, not according to God, not according to his love and grace, but according to evil, and then attribute it somehow to God by saying, what did I do? What did I not do? What did I, what could I do better? What could I change? The fact of the matter is we, you and I are in Christ. We are complete in him. We are completely finished in him. In Colossians 2.10, and the conflict is bringing that out. The conflict is bringing it out. There was a need, and as we close this morning, remember, God anticipated Satan, and everything that Satan desired to do even before he did it. Same thing for you and I. He's already anticipated it in his love. Already. And he has his love waiting to flow through grace for us to grow in, right in the midst of the conflict. And so that's why he, in, he initiated it. He only brought out what, Job, what uh, Satan was already going to do against Job and against you and I. Do you know how little, how little we suspect that Satan is watching us? We forget it so quickly because we forget God. And considering with all the experience of all the ages that he has, all the ages he's passed through, what temptations are most going to be used by him to draw us away from Jesus Christ? No wonder it says in James 1 verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. But let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot tempt any man. God cannot be tempted with evil. Listen, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither he tempts any man. But every man is drawn away of his own lust because of sin that brings forth death and separation for God. But thank God we have a way. That's always open in 1 John 1, 9 to come back into fellowship. And hopefully we don't wait too long. We keep a short account and not give the enemy any, any uh, handle at all. But you know, he's watching us 
A greater is watching us in intercession, but there is one watching us with the deepest hatred and malignity against us. You know why? Because we have Christ in us. Yes, we have Christ in us. We have him in us. And he's real. He's unseen and invisible, but he's just as real. And he's a real hated, hating evil. Listen, evil is hatred. Hatred is evil. And God never uses it. He allows it. God will for you and I. But there was a need be. It was a permitted trial. God permitted the trial of, of Job. God permits the, our trials. Why? To bring out the gold in First Peter 1 and verse 7. And in and, and Job 23 and verse 10. He said, when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. Gold. The very nature, character, and essence of God himself. And what he's accomplished through Jesus Christ by the redemptive silver that Christ is. And brought out that gold in us. And brought it out in the most marvelous way. And so we see there's a need be. There is a need be. The need be is that God would manifest his love towards us right in the midst of evil. And it's the believer's good. And we could go into this much more this morning, much, much more, but I want to leave a little time. And I want to leave time for questions. And, and, uh, but there was a need be for Job to be tried, and there is for us too. And what? But you and I, listen, you and I are never permitted to be sifted by Satan if there's a need be. And there's a need be for God to show his love towards us and bring us right through that evil. There's a need be for him. And that's why in Philippians 4 and verse 19, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Then I can do all things through him, by him and through him. In Philippians 4 and verse 13, God will. Because God's will has been accomplished through Jesus Christ in John 4 and verse 34 and in John 19:30. God's will make all work for the believers what? Good. Satan means it for evil, but God means it for good. God means it for good. And how, how little those that are living in the world think everything's going to be the same one day to the next. Everything, how little are they even thinking of the sudden destruction that is waiting for them by the enemy. Now, he can't touch opposition, but boy, he wants to come against our experience. He hates the love of God through grace being manifested in us. But you know what? When we submit, when we humble ourselves as we close finally this morning, humble yourself in First Peter 5, 6, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Then you can cast all your care upon him, all your anxiety, those things that evil tries to put on you. Because we have an adversary as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may rip to shreds and slaughter and swallow down whole with the details of this life. And don't you think he won't use the details, the everyday details of life to steal, kill, and destroy our experience? Because he will. But God is always there 
Christ is in us. We can always have all, as much fellowship with him as we deeply desire to do. And we submit. In James 4, 6, God resists the proud. Because the proud are what? Functioning in what? Evil. God resists the proud. But, but he gives greater grace, more grace to those that he's humbled. Then, then you will submit yourself to God after you're humbled. Submit yourself to God. Then, God in you, through Christ and through your obedience, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you submitted. Then the devil will flee from you. He'll come back around as soon as he finds an opening. But he will flee from you. Then you can draw near to God. Then he will draw near to you. Then, then, and then only, you must draw near to him. Then he will draw near to you. He won't violate your will. Satan does with evil all day long. God never does. Violation of a person's will has to do with evil. Something God never does. He never violates our will. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Then you resist the devil. You put Christ between you and him. Then he will flee from you. Then you draw near to God. Then God draws near to you. Then you can cleanse your hands from sin. And then you can purify your hearts from double-minded. Not thinking in the world, thinking everything is details, all of this, and I completely forget God. But thank God he doesn't forget us in his love. And Father, we thank you so much that even in the midst of this conflict, greater is he that's in us, in 1 John 4, 4, than he that's in the world. And this is the victory that has already overcome the evil, hated, hatred, hating world system. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even our constant dependence upon his love through grace. And 1 John 5, 4, Father, we thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.